Hello and welcome to Triassic Park, a dinosaur podcast that is set on exploring all things dinosaurs at the movies before Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was a movie that changed the world of special effects forever and altered the way the viewing public looked at the prehistoric world. As such, everything before it has been largely neglected by modern audiences. This is a huge oversight. Just as Jurassic Park helped to normalize computer-generated effects, dinosaur cinema throughout the ages has been on the forefronts of special effects cinema. This podcast will be dealing with things, of course, related to dinosaurs. We are also going to touch on films that utilize dragons and utilize certain uh, mythological creatures, uh, such as the Kraken. Anything where their mythology... Uh, could have been inspired by the findings of actual dinosaur bones. Uh, we're going to put it in mainly just to kind of give a bit of uh, flavor and a bit more uh, experience and more movies to talk about. That way we don't run out for a very long time. And believe me, there's no threat of that. We will also be covering kaiju films. Uh, I know that might be a little bit controversial, but there will be films like Godzilla, anything that is a prehistoric of this earth and woken up from a alternate world is fair game. Same with Loch Ness monster movies, anything that deals with plesiosaurs or of course deals with uh, pterodactyls. Um, they are technically not of the dinosaur species, but they are so commonly moved in that we're going to put them here anyways. Now, to be fair, uh, part of that reason why is there is literally a movie called Legends of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds, which doesn't feature either because it features a plesiosaur and a pteranodon. Uh, so there's a movie that's literally called Dinosaurs that doesn't feature dinosaurs because it features plesiosaurs. That's kind of how they kind of go back and forth so easily. No work of media really helps to highlight the growing relationship between the effects of the movie industry and the world of the dinosaur than Gertie the Dinosaur. Much like Jurassic Park, animation was not first introduced by Gertie the Dinosaur. Gertie the Dinosaur is an animated film from 1914. Uh, It was directed by Windsor McKay, and Windsor McKay had actually done animated works before 1914, such as the 1911 movie Little Nemo, but Gertie the Dinosaur is the first ever film of any nature to feature a dinosaur. We are not going to be going in chronological order for this podcast, uh, mainly because once we do get to a certain section of the 1950s, there are a multitude of films from various countries that reuse the exact same footage. Uh, Now, that footage that is reused is unfortunately the animal abuse, which is when they used to glue frills onto uh, lizards and crocodiles and kind of have them fight in a movie and call it a dinosaur. Uh, We have to talk about these movies because that is a way that they used to bring dinosaurs to life, and we're not for that type of behavior here, and we're certainly against it, but to not talk about it would be leaving off a big section of how people viewed the prehistoric world in cinema. Now, getting back to the point of hand, um, it's really hard to try and go back to a time where animation is a new concept. It's one of the reasons why, at least from a modern era, a lot of podcasts like to talk about Jurassic Park because you, uh, at least if you're a millennial or you're of a certain age, 
you lived through the world of CG and practical effects kind of getting melded and becoming a new thing. You lived and you experienced that in real time. Whereas it's a little bit difficult to just kind of throw yourself back into a headspace where animation itself is completely new. And that is the case uh, with Gertie the Dinosaur. There are over 10,000 drawings in this animated short, and all of that hard work really paid off. Because this is one of the most important films of all time, not just for dinosaurs, but for cinema in general. Gertie herself, uh, yes, this is another female dinosaur, similar to Jurassic Park. That's interesting. Uh, it's, it's such a vibrant personality and that it's easy to understand why the movie was such a hit. As far as plot goes, the animated sequence of the film is essentially just Gertie coming to the forefront and doing tricks. The fact that this was used as a vaudeville act before it became a feature film is pretty easy to see, as eventually Windsor himself kind of appears in the animated film to kind of do tricks with Gertie, and, you know, that would have been a pretty big hit as far as vaudeville goes. The film that survives now is the movie theater version, uh, although they did do a recreation and restoration of the vaudeville elements, and that was done by the National Film Board of Canada, and was enacted in 2008 for the closing of the MSC Film Festival in France. The act actually transitioned from vaudeville to the movie screen due to infamous New York City magnate William Randolph Hearst. Hearst had control over the New York American, which employed McKay as a cartoonist for the paper. Hearst used his power to tank his vaudeville press in order to ensure that McKay would have less distractions from his work on the paper. As long as capitalism has existed, it has corrupted the news media. People constantly want to talk about how they want to go back to the olden days. William Randolph Hearst and people like him who owned big movie and big TV chains and big everything, they really did kind of control what got out there and what got press. Uh, this is bad for McKay, obviously, but it really is kind of a godsend for cinema in general. Having it be in the movie theaters really did kind of make it have such a bigger uh, impact on the world. When they brought it to movie theaters, there was a wraparound segment that kind of had McKay and a few of his fellow creatives getting a flat tire outside of the Muse American Museum of Natural History... They lead and they leave and they go into uh, the museum due to somebody having to go fix the flat tire. And in that, they see the skeleton that was on display. We will talk about that skeleton in a second. But in the, the main plot is he sees it and he goes, I bet you I can bring that skeleton back to life. This is a silent film, so there is no actual dialogue. You get the like the, the little text, text plates in between action scenes of uh, of the film itself and that basically leads to him going to animate the gertie the dinosaur sequence uh, he brings in one of his fellow people who he has made the bet with and shows them just the sheer amount of drawings that were made in order to make the make what we see as gertie the dinosaur uh, which is kind of amazing and then it all ends at a dinner segment where he kind of has dinner with all of the friends that he made the bets with. And then he unveils Gertie and his animated segment. Let's 
kind of hop back to the skeleton itself for a moment. So one of the biggest pushes and the biggest reasons why I'm doing this podcast is because I am a dinosaur nerd. And as such, I would love to just kind of go in the ins and outs of movie dinosaurs as far as their portrayal throughout the ages. Uh, that would constantly be changing and shifting due to the paleontological evidence of the time. Uh, this will lead to some pretty big deep dives, but this movie is kind of going to be without it for now. Uh, most of the Wikipedia press constantly uses the phrase Brontosaurus. Uh, now, this appears to be from a Windsor McKay book, which I would love to get my hands on one day. Uh, it does seem like it's a pretty good, pretty comprehensive book. And if that book does lead to any new uh, revelations, this episode may kind of have a sequel to it just to kind of talk more about McKay's work um, once that is, you know, obtained by me. But in the official press that I was able to find, it doesn't mention Brontosaurus. And the actual skeleton at the museum is unidentified in full because the uh, the skeleton in question, the fossil in question, was discovered without a head. And as such, they kind of put a various heads on it. They like molded a head at first. They incorrectly put a chimarosaurus head uh, skull was used for a time being in the display until they kind of properly switched that out. They think it can be one of four different potential sauropod dinosaurs. It's uh, officially defined as an unidentified apatosaurine. So there's no real way to clarify what Gertie was, especially since Gertie is made based off of a fossil, at least again in this film. And if the fossil is uncharacterized and unqualified and unidentified, then even if the display had said Brontosaurus, it's not actually a Brontosaurus that he would have made the skeleton at us. So we're going to call Gertie just Gertie. Gertie is Gertie. She herself ain't nothing but Gertie. Gertie as a film is, is interesting. It's kind of quaint and charming. It runs in total of 18 minutes. That's kind of why this is not going to be a huge, long, deep dive episode. This is more of just kind of like an introduction as to what the podcast will be as we will be going through bigger and huger and more elaborate films as time goes on. But just for the moment, this seems like a really good way to open up the podcast. It's kind of something, this may seem a little reductive, but it kind of reminds you of an old screensaver at first, uh, just in terms of the interaction levels and how it kind of progresses and everything like that. But at the time, and for everything that it means in history, this is a very important piece of work. It's basically Gertie the Dinosaur comes up to the screen, and which is kind of interesting because, again, it's animation, so it's not technically a screen. It's just she's positioned differently in the cell so that she is facing the camera and she then does tricks basically and interacts with Windsor herself uh himself sorry and he does asks her to do various tricks like oh put your hand up put your foot up and do a little dance and you know do whatever and like it's nothing too complicated it's just little vaudeville acts and at one point he even rides around in her mouth uh, my, the best part of the uh, of the film is when uh, a woolly mammoth shows up. The woolly mammoth is named Jumbo, by the way. Interesting. And Jumbo gets thrown into a lake. Pretty much like 
it, Gertie just picks him up and goes whoop and like whoop, throws him around the, the lake, which is which is kind of funny. It, that was kind of one of the biggest surprises of the piece is that it's not just a single dinosaur on the screen. Uh, on top of there being the woolly mammoth, there's also a flying dragon. It's not a pterodon. It's clearly meant to be a dragon and a sea serpent, which is kind of cool. Uh, the most, probably the most visually complex moment, uh, or at least the one that impressed me the most, is Gertie crying because it was actually pretty seamless. Uh, yes, at one point Windsor hurts poor Gertie's feelings, and which leads to Gertie, Gertie, Gertie crying and having a kind of emotional moment, which again was extremely cute and actually was uh, animated very fluidly uh, for such an early terms of animation. Still looks better than anything He-Man ever did, and that was made in the 80s, so just saying. it It's clear why Gertie the Dinosaur made such a huge impact, and I think it is worth watching. You do have to set yourself into a different time. It's not long, um, it, but Gertie herself is memorable, and that is really important. The fact that somebody brought to life the prehistoric world and brought it to the eyes of consumers was a huge deal and forever changed the history of cinema. If you're a fan of this podcast, please follow me on Twitter at, at @winemovienerd or send me an email at milkshakesandmimosas at gmail.com. We will have another episode coming out in two weeks. Uh, if you're interested in any of the notes of where I got uh, a lot of the information for this particular episode, uh, please uh, check the show notes as that will have all of that information for you. If you yourself are interested in coming on the podcast to talk about a specific dinosaur film that uh, you are very fond of, no restrictions. You can Anyone can just you know send an email. Uh, the only restriction, of course, is the, the release date of Jurassic Park. The cutoff for the, this podcast is the, literally the movie Carnosaur, uh, which came out a few weeks before Jurassic Park. So, yes, Carnosaur is a Jurassic Park ripoff, and it came out before. That's the Roger Corman difference. He is going to come up a lot because he had his hands in a lot of very low-budget, schlocky monster movies. Thank you, guys, and have yourself a dinosaurific day.